0: And welcome to the Amazing Bible. Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at vab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today we are looking at Haggai, the 10th Minor Prophet, but as before, let's do a review of the other nine before tackling this book. Hosea married a harlot, which represented the unfaithfulness of Israel to the Lord, and it also showed the Lord's hessed love, his steadfast, faithful love to Israel. Joel prophesied about the plague of locusts, which was to prepare the people for the day of the Lord's coming. Amos preached, but let justice roll down like water, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream, which proclaimed social justice and true worship. Obadiah prophesied against Edom, who were descendants of Esau, because of their vengeful treatment toward Jerusalem and Judah. Jonah was sent to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, But instead, he ran the other way, ended up being swallowed by a fish. And only after three days in the belly of the fish did he say, fine, I will fulfill my vow. So he went and preached and they heard and repented. And this made Jonah mad. Micah was the prophet that covered over 700 years, which told of the Assyrian invasion, Babylonian invasion, people going into exile, and then returning to Jerusalem, and that there would be one who would be born in Bethlehem. Nahum preached what Jonah would have loved to have preached, judgment to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, because of their treatment to Israel, Judah, and everywhere else that they went. Habakkuk questioned the Lord with why, 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 and how long? This is called a theodicy, a defense of God. In other words, why does God allow or even, quote, use evil in this world? The truth here is that the righteous live by faith in both good and bad times. In Zephaniah, the Lord is searching Jerusalem with a lamp in order to punish the unfaithful, and the strongest declaration of the day of the Lord was given. Yet we also see that the Lord is also mighty to save the faithful remnant. Now, Haggai. Dr. Betts said the key words for this book are reconstruction of the temple. He is a post exilic prophet. That means the exile is over and the Jews are coming back to Jerusalem. Verse 1 of chapter 1 gives us quite a bit of information. In the second year of Darius the king, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, now, Darius the king was the king of Persia. His second year was 520 BC. Haggai received a word from the Lord, which makes him a prophet and a messenger of the Lord. And he was to proclaim this first message to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah. This tells us they are in Judah after the exile Because there is not a king, but the king of Persia placed Zerubbabel as the governor of the area. There is also a high priest named Joshua. We see these three main characters, plus our next minor prophet, Zechariah, the son of Edo, mentioned in Ezra chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. And they're also mentioned in Ezra chapter 6, verse 14. There we learn that when the prophets, Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Edu prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of God of Israel who was over them, then Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel and Jeshua the son of Josedach arose and went to rebuild the house of God which is in Jerusalem and the prophets of God were with them supporting them. We do not know anything else about Haggai other than this. This places us after the 70 years that the Jews were in exile. Cyrus, king of Persia, made a decree that they could go back and rebuild their temple, and the king would even pay to help it rebuilt. It started, but it did not look as grand as when Solomon had built it. Also, there was a changeover with the king of Persia. Plus the Jews were getting harassed by the people who were living there. So the building stopped. They had the foundation and the altar for the temple done. This is found in Ezra chapter four. This is where Haggai and Zechariah come onto the scene. Haggai has four messages in these two chapters. The first is to rebuild the temple. Then the Lord will talk about the glory of the new temple. The third message shows that sin has consequences. And the last message shows a picture of the restoration of the kingly line of David. It ends with a message of hope of a promised one to come. All four of Haggai's messages happen within the same year. And with each of them, it tells us the dates. And that it is a word of the Lord, which came by Haggai, the prophet too. Message one happened on the first day of the sixth month in chapter one to Zerubbabel the governor and Joshua the high priest. The people had stopped building the temple and just focused on their own houses while the temple was in ruins. The Lord said, you have worked hard to grow crops, etc. But there's not enough. Why? And then we see verses seven and eight, which are key verses for the book. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, go up to the mountains, bring wood and rebuild the temple that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. One thing Dr. Betts said in in Old Testament class, the temple manifests the presence of the Lord with his people. To not rebuild the temple showed they could do without God in some sense. This also shows us the importance of placing the Lord first in our priorities. Oddly enough, the people responded quickly. Woohoo! In verse 12, we see that the remnant and the leaders obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent them. And the people showed reverence for the Lord. Woohoo! Then the Lord said, I am with you. This happened on the 24th day of the sixth month. We then have message number two, starting chapter two, verses one through nine. And verse one says, on the 21st of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, so this was about one and a half months later. He spoke to Zerubbabel, Joshua, and to the remnant of the people this time. People who were in Jerusalem seventy years ago who saw the temple in Solomon's glory were very disheartened because this temple could not compare. It was smaller, not filled with gold or silver, and it did not have the same splendor. But the Lord sent a word of encouragement to continue working, for the Lord was with them. Verse 5 reads, As for the promise which I made you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit is abiding in your midst. Do not fear. We then read verses seven through nine, which are also key verses of the book. The Lord said, I will shake all the nations and they will come with the wealth of all nations. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Did you notice that phrase, the Lord of hosts? It's used six times in just these nine verses, not even the rest of this book. And now if you remember, we talked about how there is no reference to the glory of the Lord coming down with this temple as it did with the tabernacle with Moses or with Solomon's temple. So what do you think the Lord means when it will have a greater glory and he will give peace? who entered this temple? Who is the Prince of Peace? It's the Lord Jesus. Dr. Betts said, Jesus came to this temple and his presence there gave it greater glory. No amount of silver, gold, cedar, or exquisite craftsmanship can compare to Jesus. The Apostle John states in the first chapter of his gospel in verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Message number three starts with verse 10 of chapter 2. On the 24th of the ninth month, two months later, In the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask now the priest for a ruling. The Lord then asked questions about clean and unclean, sin and righteousness, holy and unholy. And these are based on the laws that are found in Leviticus. The gist of the questions lies with the truth as Dr. Betts said, Clean doesn't rub off onto unclean unclean rubs off onto clean the famine is still going on and the people are asking why after two months of obedience and once again as Dr. Betts explained three months of right does not rub off 15 years of sin consequences of their sin will take time to be eliminated He also pointed out in class that this is a good lesson for us to learn as Christians. Sometimes accepting Christ as Savior does not erase the consequences of our sin, and change and difficulties take time to overcome. Verse 18 in this message says, Do consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day when the temple of the Lord was founded, consider... Then verse 19 ends with, yet from this day on, I will bless you. Sometimes I fear that our era of life is so busy that we never stop and consider. We don't consider our actions or the repercussions, or do we consider the Lord. From way back in the Pentateuch, when we walk in the ways of the Lord, we are blessed, Even if we walk a difficult road, but when we choose our own path and do not align ourselves up to the Lord's ways, we are cursed. The last message, number four, are verses 20 through 23, and it starts with, Then the word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overthrow the thrones of the kingdom and destroy the power of the kingdoms of the nations. And I will overthrow the chariots and their riders and their horses, and their riders will go down, every one by the sword of another. Then the last verse says On that day declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, my servant declares the Lord, and I will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. One thing we know about Zerubbabel is that he was the son of Jehoiakim, a descendant king of King David. The signet ring was a symbol of Davidic sovereignty, according to C. Hassel Bullock in an introduction to the Old Testament prophetic books, The Lord chose him, as with King David, because through this line, one will come, the King of Kings, and as this book repeats, he is also the Lord of hosts. There is no army, no kingdom, that can stop the king to take his royal throne at the right hand of God the Father, with a kingdom of peace, joy, and love in all of the Lord's glory. Zerubbabel's name is listed in both genealogies of Jesus, found in Matthew chapter 1 verses 12 and 13, and then Luke chapter 3 verse 27, because Jesus is this king. So ladies, what has the Lord of hosts said to you through this book? How are your priorities? Is there a task the Lord has for you to do? Do you know that the Lord is with you? Do you need to pause and consider your life or consider the Lord? Do you believe the Lord is sitting on his throne and he is the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, and that no matter what is happening in this world, he is not scared or surprised because there is a promise of an eternal kingdom of peace coming. If you hear his voice today, don't harden your hearts It never ends well when we do that. Instead, let's be like the Israelites and the leaders in this lesson and let us obey the Lord quickly. Until next time, and thank you so, so much for listening.